Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Wherever you are in the world, welcome back to The Caring Economy with me, Toby Usnick. Today, I'm thrilled to have as our guest, Crystal Barnes, who's Senior Vice President of Corporate Social Responsibility and ESG, Environment, Social, and Governance, at the world-renowned and giant entertainment and media conglomerate, Viacom CBS. Their sales and uh, revenues this past quarter alone as a newly combined company, and we will talk about the merger in a moment, is $6 billion. And welcome to the caring economy, Crystal Barnes. Thank you, Toby. I'm happy to be here. Thanks for having me. So Crystal, this is quite a momentous time in, in, in Viacom CBS's history and in yours because you have helped steer a great brand, two brands really through a, a merge, uh, a successful one I would submit. And you uh, also did it during COVID. It's been awesome to take on that kind of task. Can you tell us, and in that process, you also launched your first ESG report, which is called Action, which is a fantastic title. Can you tell us um, a little bit about what it's like being Crystal Barnes at Viacom CBS at this moment in time? And, and, uh, and then in a bit, we'll come back to your journey, your personal journey and how you got there. Yeah, sure. So it's uh, never a dull moment. Uh, that is what it was is like being Crystal Barnes and really any other employee at Viacom CBS during this time. We're in, you know, the heart of everything that's going on. And so um, the launch of our first ESG report, admittedly, the title action um, is great. It's a bit of a cheeky title, uh, but it is a nod to the fact that we produce TV shows and movies. But for us, it was also a signal that, you know, we don't just plan to talk about ESG, we plan to take actions against our most material impact areas. And so we're hyper-focused on the fact that what sets us apart as a company is our reach. And we have diverse audiences from Nickelodeon to BET to MTV to CBS and so, and others. And so that means really kind of tailoring that ESG, our goals and our metrics so that we're able to focus on just our biggest responsibilities and our, how we kind of practice and operate our organization and how we communicate about that journey along the way. Um, for us, it's in kind of like a few buckets. It's around topics like diversity and inclusion, of course, both in front of and behind the camera mm -hmm. and the different ways in which um, our various brands kind of think about that responsibly and creatively. Um, it also means jumping into action as it relates to making our productions and making them more environmentally sustainable. And so talking about things like energy use and waste generation and attracting top talent to the company, maybe you know topics and issues that you're not used to hearing from um, Viacom CBS on. And so those kind of three areas like on-screen content and social impact, workforce and culture, sustainable production and operations, those are the areas that we've kind of pulled out and said, listen, over the next one, two, three years, those are the areas where you should expect to get updates from us that we are going to focus on as an organization and that we are going to hold ourselves accountable against as an organization. And so, you know, I've been at Viacom CBS for three years, going on three years. And um, one of the things that I've learned is that we do have a rich history through our content um, to a commitment of ESG. It's not new, um, but one of the, you know, the biggest opportunity is kind of to lean into that history with a bit of intentionality, some rigor, some transparency around our journey so that we can develop that global strategy and really execute on it uh, for the coming years. You know, as a consumer, I, I find 
it fascinating. I think of you and the stable of brands that you work with or for uh, as being really on the vanguard. Um, Disney's an awesome company, does great things as a competitor in certain spheres with you. But Disney is in a certain sense, I think a safe player in terms of tradition and what they present on screen. This is just my bias, but, but I think about the Nickelodeons and the SpongeBob's and the MTV's. And I think it's very much, as you say, in your sort of DNA that you're on the vanguard and, and pushing in a responsible way, historically, that kind of leadership that we need. Is that a fair assessment? Yeah, I'd say so. I mean, I like to say that, listen, we're from ages two to 202, right? And that's, but with that comes a huge responsibility to ensure that we're caring for and representing those audiences um, in a very real and diverse way. And so ESG is one of the many ways that uh, we're able to do that in a calculated fashion mm -hmm. so that, you know, we're ensuring that we're continuing to do that, but we're pushing ourselves into uncomfortable places um, that we need to be in to evolve our organization. Yeah, and taking others on the journey with you, which I appreciate. Um, on the, on the DE&I front, diversity, equity, and inclusion, uh, if we could, and uh, thinking of action, your new report, can you give us some, maybe some examples or an example of how you're drilling down and how, how the rubber is meeting the road at Viacom CBS? You can either talk about what has happened in the past year and in the report or the commitments that you're making in the year ahead. Yeah, so it's this one is, while it feels like a hard topic, um, it's pretty simple for us. We're in the business of storytelling. <laughs> so we have to create compelling content that entertains diverse audiences. That is what we do. And so to be the best creators, to be the best storytellers as possible, we have to commit to building a workplace of inclusion. And it has to reflect, it has to celebrate, it has to elevate those diverse audiences in a way that is authentic to them and authentic to us as an organization. And so again, that work didn't start this year. Um, it does build on the legacy of our brands and really our content. That's actually what was intriguing to me about Viacom CBS is that you know, we do have a rich history of confronting some of that bias and some of that stigma in our content for the first time before it was even talked about. And so, you know, the idea of being able to lean into that and to be able to develop programs that help um, to foster that diversity along the content creation life cycle uh, is important. And I would say, you know, I know we'll talk about the merger in a second, but it's as we started to look at what was you know, existing at some of the legacy companies and the programs and the processes that existed, um, I'd say over the past year or so, we've really doubled down into ensuring that you know, we've kind of brought the best of both worlds together in a way that makes sense. And so just to give you a couple examples across the brands, uh, BT in June, I believe it was, launched uh, a program called Content for Change. And essentially what that means is that um, it's a campaign that's anchored in the principle that the media plays a pivotal role in shaping and driving individuals and communities' value perceptions and actions of each other. Yep. It's holding the mirror up to ourselves mm -hmm. and saying, listen, the media plays a role in this. And so what are we going to do to help to counteract some of those stereotypes and counteract some of that bias in our content and in the content across the industry? And so, you know, with partnerships with academia folks and partnerships with community folks, you will, I encourage you to kind of keep an eye out for that because you know, our goal is to take what BET has built um, and continues to build and to really try and take it across our entire organization, our entire portfolio. And so um, that to me is, you know, one of the realest things that we are doing as an organization is to say and to acknowledge kind of where we are in that process. Yeah. 
And then you're also going one step further with your, your CSR ESG hat, which is measuring it and reporting on it and inviting your stakeholders to challenge it or celebrate it, right? Yeah, that's exactly right. That's exactly right. And, you know, it, whether it's CBS has made a ton of um, kind of in, put a ton of initiatives out there, whether it's 40% of BIPOC in, you know, the development season of 2021 and 22 to their unscripted programming and making sure that we have 50% BIPOC contestants on that, allocating money towards, you know, unscripted BIPOC producers. There's, there are so many examples of how our brands have taken kind of where we are in society and taken it very personal as it relates to what they do and what they produce. Um, that, you know, I, I'm encouraged by where we are right now. And to your point around measurement and evaluation, I'm encouraged by the idea that we're only successful if this stuff moves the needle. If it doesn't move the needle, Toby, there's no point in doing it. Sure. And so, you know, that, that measurement evaluation piece has really been kind of ingrained in the programs that have been produced. Yeah, and for our listeners, BIPOC is uh, Black, Indigenous, and people of color, um, which I love that expression now because I think we're starting to see in the business community and more broadly, some common language that we can all use. So there's more of a sort of an apples to apples comparison when anyone's doing anything, particularly measurement and reporting. Um, and you, you are probably the most qualified person I've ever met around measurement and ESG. Your whole career has been really in a sense, most of it's been measurement, right? You were at Neil yeah, for many I, yep. years. So the granddaddy of where we are today or the grandmother of where we are today in measurement, right? Is that, is that a fair assessment? Yeah, I started my career at Nielsen uh, many, many moons ago, uh, and I was there for 14 years. And it truly is uh, a company that you know is about measurement and evaluation, and you know how that impacts and is the backbone of the media you know industry. And so to be able to take that understanding of the research behind the the research behind the industry. Um, and bring it to Viacom CBS in a way that then, you know, flows into the content that we produce and the people that we hire and the, you know, the um, supply chain that we're involved with, you know, it's been a whirlwind for me. And um, I love sitting in, in that space of understanding because to me, the data truly is core to ensuring that we're not, you know, just doing this for measurement for, um, for measurement's sake, but that we're doing it against the greater good. Yeah. So um, let's take that moment about Nielsen and go back in time and talk about Crystal Barnes and your personal journey and where you started and how you evolved uh, as a young person and professionally. And in particular, my listeners love, and I love to hear about the pivots, why you went left when others went right or why some things went pear-shaped as some would say, and you made the best of it. So. Yeah, so the pivots I think are what caused my parents to have gray hairs. Um, my whole life has been a pivot. <laughs> um, okay. So I I started, uh, I went to Temple University where I was a broadcasting telecommunications marketing manager um, major. Uh, and I wanted to be the next Robin Roberts. That was my goal. And this was like pre-GMA Robin Roberts, you know, like I, I she, this is when she was at ESPN and she was, you know, really one of, you, if not at the time, the only African-American there. She was a woman. She was fierce. She played sports. I played sports. So in my mind, she was my kindred spirit and I wanted to be everything like her. Um, and so that's why I majored in broadcasting. My parents forced me to take a marketing minor because, you know, business is what makes the world around. 
Uh, and, uh, but I knew pretty quickly that after going through that process, quite honestly, told me I wasn't willing to go to, you know, market 875 in, you know, a, a backcountry town. It just wasn't me. It wasn't my DNA. And so that was a dream deferred. I knew I wasn't going to be a broadcaster uh, by the time I was a junior in college. Um, and Nielsen came knocking. Uh, and what I loved about Nielsen was it's the business, it's still the media industry, but it's the business behind, you know, media and to be able to learn and absorb that and then, be, you know, take it, you know, to uh, other places was exciting to me. It was sports marketing was just developing, um, you know, diversity and inclusion wasn't a thing, you know, it was, it wasn't a role, CDOs weren't around. And so it's, it's been amazing to see kind of, you know, where this journey has taken me and how I kind of ended up in ESG. Now you can major in ESG in school, right? Like now, you know, there are whole programs dedicated to this stuff, but mm -hmm. I have been in IT, I've been in communications, I've been in sports marketing, I've been in communications, public affairs, community affairs, you know, every kind of three, four years to your point, I took a pivot. Mm -hmm. And um, it actually landed me in the ESG and CSR first, and then CSR developed into ESG, and then being able to build a career that connects the two and help organizations to realize that it's more than the warm and fuzzy, that it truly is, you know, how your organization is viable for the future has been a journey, uh, has been thrilling, um, has been challenging, mm -hmm. uh, but one that I love and quite honestly wouldn't trade for the world. I, I couldn't agree more with your assessment of the evolution of the practice area. Ladies and gentlemen, again, today on The Caring Economy, we have Crystal Barnes. She's the Senior Vice President of Corporate Social Responsibility and ESG, or what's known as Environment, Social, and Governance, for the media and entertainment giant, giant Viacom CBS, multi-billion dollar global company with brands that you would know and follow from Nickelodeon to CBS, MTV. So Crystal, I, you're an African-American woman. You're in a major executive role at a huge publicly traded company. COVID's happening. A merger is being accomplished between two legacy brands and you're there in the, in the top echelon. And then we have Breonna Taylor, we have George Floyd, we have Black Lives Matter. How, how was that for you personally? And then how did you help guide your company through that and how has it manifested itself and how more importantly or as importantly how are you keeping it real yeah so um as you can imagine toby it was all the feels right so it's every emotion that you can imagine on a continuous cycle and at varying levels of intensity right so it's it's anger it's frustration it's disappointment it's pain it's sadness. Um, and then when you layer being the, a mommy to three black children, the stakes run deeper and the emotions are really kind of at an all time high. And so the truth is when you see this level of brutality and experience these inequities in the skin that I'm in, the ability to kind of feel and absorb the pain in a different way to your point is real. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you can't help but to project that energy into your day to day. And so for me personally, uh, that took on the form of having some really tough conversations with my kids who, you know, at the time were four five and nine. And until that moment, weren't really fully plugged into the level of racism and division in this country. And so that was painful for me, but something that, you know, had to happen. 
professionally, we knew as a company that we had to respond. And so it was, it was an expectation of ourselves. It was an expectation of our employees. It was an expectation of our audiences. And so, you know, whether it's our brands kind of going dark for eight minutes and 46 seconds to honor the life of George Floyd to our news coverage, our specials, our employee messages, our resources that we provided to employees, our philanthropic donations. Um, you know, I was able to collaborate with some pretty amazing folks across the organization to kind of bring their work to life and help to, you know, get it in the hands of our communities and our audiences. And what's been interesting as well is just kind of in the midst of all of that, uh, the ability to educate along the way, uh, because truth be told, it was a bit of a soul, it is a bit of a soul searching exercise for a lot of people to think about, you know, these issues so deeply. And so for me, it was important to kind of apply a runway of grace is what I've been calling it um, to others to allow that kind of that acknowledgement, that understanding and that healing to begin. And, you know, I'm good at it some days, not so good at it other days, but um, that runway of grace has really helped to kind of balance those emotions and kind of keep me focused on, you know, the bigger picture. A runway of grace. I love that. That's beautiful. Um, I was, you know, keeping it real. I just still, on Wednesday's protests and mobs in Washington, I was just, the double standard I saw, right? Like when Black Lives Matter happened in Washington, the protest, the Capitol was lined with militarized police and guards and yep. military. And then all of a sudden, that was not the case. When our Capitol was being <laughs> busted in upon and there again, I was reminded of the structural racism. So tell me a little bit about your role in the sense that you have this stable of brands, you're at the corporate umbrella level. How do you, how do you make the CSR and ESG happen? Do you, do you entrust it at the brand level or do you sort of do a carrots and stick approach? How's, how's it happen at Viacom CBS? Yeah, so we are a mighty team of now three as of last week uh, across, you know, those 20,000 plus employees. And so what I love about kind of where we sit in corporate is we have an ESG council. So one of the first things that we did uh, when I came on board was enlist those folks who, as I mentioned, a lot of this ESG work is in new. We had to enlist those folks to help join the mission, to help set the strategy, to help you know, be our eyes and ears within the businesses and brands in which they operate. And so we have an ESG council made up of individuals from legal to, you know, CSR to investor relations um, to finance. I mean, all over the organization, they help keep us running. And, and it is awesome in that, you know, it's a passion for them. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it, it gives an extension to my team um, and a level of accessibility uh, to my team that we otherwise wouldn't have. And so, yeah, we run it at the core, Jessica, Laurel, and myself. Um, but we really do lean on this ESG council to help us to evoke the strategy at the brands and at the edges of the organization. That was my experience at Christie's when we built the CSR. And I've written about this in the caring economy. You can find a lot of ambassadors within your organization who are so passionate because they care so much about yeah. these issues, whether it's the planet and environment or diversity and inclusion. Um, so I, I like that because it also means nobody's cornered the market on good ideas, right? The most generous yeah. person can come up with the most groundbreaking ideas that are sort of aha moments. 
and everyone has some skin in the game. And that's what you want, right? You want the brands to be built from the inside out. So, so it sounds like it's working well. How's about with the merger? Did it, is it, are the systems integrating pretty well now or is that one of your goals for 2021? It's all, it, to me, that's like an ongoing goal. So I would say I was pleasantly surprised because I do come from the legacy Viacom side that when we started opening the walls and talking about, well, what do you do with greenhouse gas? What do you do with sustainable production? And what do you do with DNI? Do you have ERGs? You know, all of those questions. Um, a lot of it was yes. A lot of the answers, you know, were yes. And so it's, now it's yes and how do we integrate? Yes and how do we take the best of what you've done and, mm -hmm. and you know, merge it with the best of what we've done? And are there opportunities to create new things? And so we're still very much in that process, as, as you can imagine. It's, it's really only been about a year and some change. Um, but it has been, you know, great in that it's, it's always going to be, ESG is, is always going to be the gray area. It's always going to be an education process from the highest levels of the organization down to the you know, the more junior levels of the organization, but that's the fun of it all, right? Like every, we're all learning together, which is great. And to your point, if you enlist those ambassadors, um, then you have a good core uh, to help you to move the agenda forward. So, you know, it's, if I were to say, what are our biggest opportunities? That's it, you know, just getting to a point where integration is seamless and um, we're moving forward as a unit. Yeah, and and the that gray area that you described so aptly, I would I would submit unless you're a really exceptional, say, tech company starting out, um, that's where the opportunity is, right? That's where you can really differentiate yourself from your competition. It that's may right. be subtle and not have the same fanfare as the new tech whiz bang, Tesla or fill in the blank, but. I think it really is where the opportunity is, and it also is where more people can share in that opportunity from your stakeholders. That's right. Um, so I meant to ask you earlier when we were talking about your career journey. Um, I have to believe she's right across the Did you finally meet Robin Roberts? I did it. Can you believe that? Maybe this is my opportunity, Robin, if you're listening. <laughs> I'm a huge fan as well. She's a cancer survivor, major athlete. Yeah. So, she just screams integrity in the best sense, I think. Um, that leads me to ask you a question I ask all my guests, which is about the role of mentorship and who some of your mentors were and uh, who perhaps you're mentoring now. Yeah, so I, my career um, and the directions that I've taken and the, the comfortability around the pivots that I have made, I would say have only been in part to the leadership, the guidance and the belief from mentors and sponsors. I joined Nielsen um, a while ago, you know, in a mentorship program. And so in a leadership program, and I gave me that the kind of like surrounding arms to say, it's okay to fail. It's okay to try new things, go be great. Um, and when you come into an organization with that foundation, that's kind of how you live your life moving forward, right? And so, you know, you seek that out. I've had from Cheryl Grace to Don Lowry to Susan Whiting, who was a former CEO at Nielsen. I mean, I've really been blessed to have some really great people in my corner to challenge me, to call me out when things haven't been so great, to you know, encourage me to try new things, mm -hmm. um, to invest in my career, to bring my name up, name up in conversations for new opportunities. And so that's something that I value to the depths of my soul because I know the role uh, that they've played in my career. Um, for me at Viacom CBS, it, like that's not, it's a no brainer. You have to do it. It's a no brainer. Like, you know, when I first got there, 
Um, there have been many employees where, um, you know, just having me in the seat that I'm in at the organization was encouraging for them. And so um, I stand in that role and assume that position in their careers and their lives um, wholeheartedly. And um, it's very much a part of kind of who I am and how I operate within the organization. Mm -hmm. I, I love hearing that. I try and do the same myself. And I have to say that I've done it enough years now that I feel like those relationships that I've invested in, just as they've invested in me, I in turn am investing in younger people who I've mentored. And when they go on to get married and have children and you know, during COVID, it was one of the silver linings that we were able to keep the conversations going with the whole group in a way, that, like a reunion almost, if you will. Um, I describe it as the anti-aging cream or the wrinkle cream. <laughs> <laughs> I'll take it. realize it was worth it whatever you did to get those wrinkles it really keeps you I think keeps us inspired and makes us more relevant and young even as we get older I agree and because ESG is such again a great area you learn so much from each other I learned so much yeah. from the people that I talk to that I mentor that mentor me I mean it's just it's a cycle of you know learning and understanding that's necessary to continue to kind of adapt and evolve in this industry. It keeps us nimble. Uh, that takes me to a question about COVID and how Viacom uh, CBS uh, has pivoted. Um, ladies and gentlemen, again today on the Caring Economy, we have Crystal Barnes. She's the Senior Vice President for Corporate Social Responsibility and ESG, or Environment and so Environment, Social, and Governance at the global media entertainment giant Viacom CBS traded on the NASDAQ, call letter VIAC. Um, Crystal, how have you as a company pivoted because of your ESG role? I know already you're just more nimble and ready to embrace change. And so I'm sure it was rough and challenging in many ways, but I'm sure you were also prepared for it. So how did the brand and how did you and your team sort of embrace COVID? Yeah, so uh, COVID was and still is a bit of a whirlwind. Um, first and foremost, I'd say we knew that we needed to take care of our people and to take care of our industry. And so back in April, uh, we, like many organizations, announced that we were going to be participating in COVID relief. Uh, and so for us, that's a form of a $100 million commitment to COVID relief. Uh, but we had to make sure that we had some, the great, the best partners, right? And so um, we partnered with the Motion Picture Television Fund, MPTF, um, to set up a grants program specifically for Viacom, CBS, um, non-staff freelance employees uh, to be able to pull from as a part of a grant making uh, process. And so, um, employees. yeah, really, yeah, I mean, it, really amazing. They're part of the family, right? Yeah. And so, you know, they help us ultimately through many layers to make money and you know to be able to take care of them in a time like this um, through our relationship with MPTF was important and still is important the fund is very much still active so anyone who's listening you are you know welcome to go to MPTF and apply for a grant what, what is the URL again it's so I'm sure it's motion picture television fund and then when you go on their home page you should be able to draw drop down to the Viacom CBS um, and then as far as the industry, we partner with the Actors Fund, same deal, like grants program um, set up for those uh, production staff and crew whose work was impacted by COVID-19. Um, I would say those are were kind of like our first key kind of pivotal moments. 
if you think about learnings, you mentioned the word nimble uh, earlier, man, oh man, to be nimble and flexible um, and exercise what we've been calling internally as adaptive creativity is our term for it. Uh, at Viacom CBS, that, that was our big learning. I mean, literally, you know, the show had to go on. Literally, it had to go on. <laughs> and so, you know, some some creativity, some applied resources, we, you know, were able to kind of pull things off in stages. And whether it was our talent broadcasting from their homes, which many of you saw, or from wherever they were quarantining at, to um, as a company, we have an annual day of service every year, again, like many companies, but it was, it's another, like, a part of both legacy companies' DNA, and for us at a time, like, March, April, May-ish, when, you know, people really just wanted human connection, mm-hmm. you know, and, um, and they wanted to be able to connect with one another, but they also wanted to be able to connect with their communities, and so we took our annual day of service, and we made the whole thing, you know, virtual for all of our employees across the globe, and the amount of appreciation, and the amount of impact, um, you know, that happened during that time, just again, with a sprinkle of adaptive creativity, uh, went a long way. So it's, we're still very much, you know, as we think about coming back to work, and what that looks like, no definitive answers there, but you know, our people and our industry are at the forefront of our thoughts and all of our mini task force on this stuff so that we can make the right decisions. I'm always fascinated by the, the matrix, we call it, right? The, the global multinationals and you have your geographic functions one way and, and the, I'm sorry, geography one way function the other way. I call it a Rubik's cube now because I add in the time factor. So across time, how does it evolve? Because great brands have to evolve through time. Um, how, if you can recall from your annual report, what are, how did that day of service sort of manifest itself, say in Hong Kong or London or two countries maybe outside of the, of the U.S. where we are today? Yep, it's that web effect that we were talking about. Because again, like my CSR team, there are four of us. <laughs> and so, but there are CSR champions and ambassadors all over the organization. And they sit everywhere from comms to marketing to in the business to sales yeah. operations. Um, so our role at corporate is to kind of set the framework. Like this is what it is. Here are the reasons and start to have cultivate the relationships with the nonprofit organizations. And one thing I will say about the nonprofit organizations is that, man, did they pivot? like nobody's business, right? Like they realized that in many ways they were the connection between corporate and the community. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, while maybe 90% of the work that they did is on the ground and in person, they were able to still allow for an infrastructure for companies to connect with communities in a way that was safe, uh, but that was effective. And so it, it looked like helping our country, in country, to make connections, to give them guidelines for how to seek out a great virtual volunteering opportunity, um, to uh, give examples of what that could actually look like for employees, uh, to actually some of the examples that we usually typically would have done just in New York, being able to now, because everything is virtual, give that opportunity for someone in Hong Kong to read to a child in Brooklyn, you know, as a part of their virtual volunteering opportunity. I mean, it was We had a video. It was so amazing. And I think that the employees who participated may have even gotten more (laughs) from the experience than the folks on the other side, because again, we're like thirsty for that human connection in a way that, um, you know, is mutually beneficial. 
Yeah, I mean, art heals, art informs, art guides. And uh, I'm having worked at the New York Times for five years, at Christie's for a decade. I'm a big believer in quote unquote content, which I think diminishes it conceptually, but distribution matters, but content content is king in my in my view still, because without it, you got nothing to sell, right? Exactly. So I, I think that's wonderful that it's brought uh, relief to so many communities in which you work and um, and these, we're going to continue, I believe, to have these aha moments in the year ahead where, wow, we did it for the right reasons, but we didn't really quite see that one coming or expect that. I think we're all forever changed because of, in a good way, in many ways, because of COVID. One example I, I believe in is that we have globally enhanced the digital literacy of all people, yep. for better, or for worse. But we are now, whatever our age, we're digitally enabled my stepfather lives in a retirement home he's dealing with cancer and I can still see him and I see him more and talk to him now <laughs> because of COVID really and his cancer and I love that he never would have been a FaceTime or a WhatsApp or a Google Hangouts person but here we are yeah do you so as a result I don't think we're ever going to go back to the old way fully right like the lessons we've learned are going to be factored into the way we move forward so are there any examples you might want to share? I know this wasn't a scripted question, but if there's anything that has been a learning for you or for ICOM, again, ladies and gentlemen, today we have on the Caring Economy, Crystal Barnes, who's Senior Vice President of Corporate Social Responsibility and Environment, Social and Governance for the huge global media and entertainment uh, giant Viacom CBS traded on the NASDAQ by VIAC call letters. Uh, Crystal, any sort of learnings that you're factoring into your standard operating procedures? Yeah, I would say that this, whereas um, at Nielsen, it was very much a virtual environment. Um, working from home was the norm for many, including myself. Um, when I came to Viacom CBS, that element still existed. Most people, we're creative companies. So we like to feed off of each other. We like to be in the hallways. We like to have conversation. And you know, this idea of then one day, everyone is virtual, that's a big shift, right? And so, uh, but I think if, if anything, to your point, what this you know time has showed us is that we can adapt and stuff still gets done and it still gets done to the level of, um, of success and expectation that you know, surrounds it. And there is a world where you know, we, may, we likely will not go back to the way in which we were doing business before. And that doesn't jeopardize our ability to be great. It doesn't jeopardize our ability to grow and compete uh, in this marketplace. And so um, I think that it forced us in many ways to a place um, that we likely would not have been at um, had this not happened. Yeah. So I, I think it's been really great and it's, um, it's going to be interesting as kind of all of this starts to unfold and where we ultimately shake out, where most companies ultimately shake out with all of this, but it's, it's enacted a level of comfortability around the virtual nature um, of operating an organization that didn't exist. Culture building is a whole other story. And, you know, we, like many companies are, you know, trying to figure out how to continue to keep the momentum going because culture is actually one of the many things that brought me to Viacom CBS. And so, um, you know, we love having SpongeBob walking around the hallways or, you know, having some of our stars handing us, you know, lollipops on Valentine's Day as we're coming up the escalator. So my team and I are also char charged with 
um, you know, trying to figure out what that looks like in a virtual world and working with many other teams across the organization. But, you know, it's a cha challenge accepted. We're yeah. working on it. Well, uh, Crystal, I'd love to have you come back at the end of this year and we'll do a revisit of, of how far you've gone and, and how you've kept the, the, the metabolism uh, going at such a great rate. Um, one last question, and then I'll ask you for any final thoughts. Um, the last question, I'm putting you on the spot a bit, but it's a fun one. What's your favorite show across all of your networks? And perhaps there is an unsung hero that uh, listeners on the Caring Economy should know about. So with three kids, uh, I lost privileges to the remote. <laughs> so we watch we watch a lot of Nick Jr. Toby. I mean, I am a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle to my soul because of my son. We're big Paw Patrollers. We're big, um, was it Santiago of the Sea, which I believe is new. Uh, when I do get the remote, I'm a big BET fan. I love Sisters, which is on BET. And you and I were chatting before this, but the fact that we are virtual, I actually get to watch the CBS Morning Show, which is nice, you know, I'm not oh, Gail, into the city. Anthony, so. Yeah, and Tony, and of course, Gail in the evening, I mean, Gail in the morning, Nora in the evening. I That's mean. right. And I think the you're the only, only news network that has made that commitment with lead females uh, and one of color for the national news. It's awesome. Yeah. I you feel like I'm at the table each morning with them. Yeah. It's, I agree. I, I welcome them into my morning routine and it's awesome. Yeah. So ladies and gentlemen, um, any final thoughts? Today's guest here on The Caring Economy is Crystal Barnes, who, as I've said earlier, she's the Senior Vice President for Corporate Social Responsibility and Environment, Social and Governance at Viacom CBS, the multinational media and entertainment giant traded on the NASDAQ. Crystal Barnes, thank you so much for joining us. Any thoughts or final concluding remarks for our, our listeners? Uh, you know, I just, for all of my ESG practitioners and my CSR practitioners, stay the course. Stay the course now more than ever. You know, it, there has never been a more important time for companies to recognize and acknowledge the role that ESG and CSR play into the business strategy and the business operations. Um, and the long-term success of the organization. And so uh, I think we're front and center uh, now and you know, stand in the moment and um, let's continue to learn and grow from each other. Here, here, I, I thank you so much for sharing those, those words of wisdom and inspiration, Crystal Barnes. Again, ladies and gentlemen, this is Toby Usnick signing off from The Caring Economy with Crystal Barnes from CBS Viacom.